And good afternoon and welcome to the Business Zone with Christo and Gilbert. Uh, glad to have you. It's Friday, August 13th, and we have a great guest today. And um, Gilbert is on his way right now. He's having a little technical difficulties, as it would be on a Friday the 13th. That would only seem normal, right? Uh, so welcome, guys. Glad to see you. Glad to hear from you. Um, hope you've had a great week. Hope you've been safe. And um, Gilbert should be here very shortly. Uh, so tell me, my week has been pretty crazy. It's been super, super busy. Um, had a little uh, sinus infection. So I'm getting over that. I think that was my warning, my body warning, telling me to relax and take it easy. And so now that's what I've done all for the rest of this, for the beginning of this week is to take it easy. Uh, so glad you're here. Um, we have a fantastic guest on today, Mr. Michael H. Anderson. He is the author of Urban Magic and uh, bright, vibrant black and brown communities are possible. So you are in for a super, super treat uh, today. And Michael is right now in our waiting in our green room. So hello, Michael. We'll be with you as soon as Gilbert comes on so we can do our little dialogue. I don't know. He's gotten lost in cyberspace right now. A uh, couple of things. I want to say happy birthday to my brother-in-law. Today is his birthday, so he is now, I'm um, not going to tell you how old he is, but we're happy that he's made another year, uh, especially since we have been living in this interesting time of COVID. Uh, so I want to wish him a happy birthday. And before we get started, and I was hoping Gilbert would be here, I do want to share uh, something. Sadness hit our community last week. And um, I want to give honor and tribute uh, to Miss Michelle Avant. Uh, she was an executive with um, with um, B of A, Bank of America, and she was the head of Global Women and um, and Human Resources at Bank of America. So our hearts and our souls go out to her family. Um, she was um, brutally murdered last Friday, Thursday, I believe it, believe it was Thursday night. And so sympathies uh, to our to her family and to her children. And uh, she will be sadly missed. She was a great warrior in our community. She uh, sat on the board of GLAC, um, Greater Los Angeles. Um, African-American Chamber of Commerce, as well as she was a board member of, of the Los Angeles Urban League and so many other amazing organizations. Uh, she was a sponsor and, and uh, for uh, the Taste of Soul. Uh, many of you knew her, and we just want here at the Business Zone to express our hearts and our souls uh, to her family. And so um, uh, keep them in your prayers. and. Um, and again, we, we lost uh, someone very important to our community, uh, someone that loved our community, was greatly involved in our community. So um, many prayers and blessings to her family. So just wanted to uh, make sure we got that in as we start. Uh, again, I'm not quite sure what's going on with my co-host. Uh, so let's see, we got a couple of guests. Hey, 
Waleen, how are you? Great to see you as well. Glad that you didn't tuned in. Please make sure you share. Yes, please light a candle for her family. Um, would be greatly appreciated. Um, it, again, it, it was devastating to mo many of us last week that we just didn't know. You know, you never know how. You just never know. You never know how 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 blessed we are as people. We never know when it's going to be our our last days on this planet. And um, but we just wanted to make sure uh, that we live the life that we that God gave us and that we were destined to live and make the impact while you're here on this planet. Uh, because you never know. Tomorrow may not be promised for you as much as we'd like to say we're going to be here forever but it's not necessarily um, promised. So uh, she did a great thing. She did many things. I always say when I live my life, I'm living in the, what God what God put me on this planet for. So I do the best I can while I'm here. And when that day comes, I know I've done my job. And so and when he comes to take you home and uh, uh, hopefully we've all done that job. Uh, so as I'm still waiting for my co-host and he's not come in, I think I'm going to bring in my uh, our guest today and then we'll just kind of chit chat it up with him with him uh, as Gilbert is trying to come in. So you guys are in for a treat. Uh, today we have Mr. Michael H. Anderson. He's an architect in licensed architect in Los Angeles and a member of the American Institute of Architects. And let me start to bring him in. Hello, Michael. Glad to have Dr. you. So how are you? <laughs> I am wonderful and so happy that you're here. So I'm going to finish oh, reading your you. bio. Hopefully by that time, Gilbert will work through his uh, Friday the 13th um, um, shenanigans with the, with the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. <I> <laughs> Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does happen. So Michael attended, um, he's a member of also the National Association of Minority Architects. He attended South Southern California Institute of Architectural and has more than 35 years of ex uh, diverse experience in architectural, urban planning, transit, and community development. He has been a principal uh, design principal for projects in aviation, civic administration, education, commercial. He's just a super intelligent young man right here. And he's got this great, great program that he's going to talk to us about today uh, and also talk to us about his journey. Uh, this book, when I started it, was like all of a sudden I was able to sit at the tables right there along with him and get all of the inside information. And that's so important. You guys know uh, that I talk about that all the time, that sitting at the table so that you'll know exactly what's on the menu. And hopefully you're not on the menu. But in a lot of cases, black and brown people are the menu. <laughs> so Michael got to sit at that table <laughs> and, and, and talk about that. So glad to have you, Michael. Welcome to the business zone. And uh, it's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. So tell us about this book and your journey and the book everyone is called. Um, I don't think you guys can really see it, but it's called Urban Magic. The vibrant black and brown communities are possible. So tell us a little bit about this journey of your book. So the book um, 
evolved. It was a 21-year project. Uh, that's an extremely long time to write a book, but it started based on development projects I proposed back in the Crenshaw community back shortly after the riots. And part one tends to talk about the journey of trying to develop those projects. And I did wind up building some homes in Lemur Park for some first-time buyers. Um, and then also I did the transit, I designed a transit station in downtown Compton, the senior center. I entitled some property for a senior housing development next to it. But along the way, I've also watched other cities, Santa Monica, West Hollywood. There we go. <laughs> and then I lost Michael. He was here. Uh-oh. <laughs> let me let me call him real quick and have him come back on. Okay. Uh, what the heck happened here? I don't know, man. It's Friday the 13th. <laughs> 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 Let, me, let me call him real quick and tell him to come back on. <laughs> he was just in the midst of, of talking. Okay. Well, you're back. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know what, what I don't know what was going on. Michael, yeah. come back in. I don't know what happened. Are you there? Oh wait, it's ringing. Okay, this has been interesting. This is Friday the thirteenth, man. Hey, Michael, <laughs> come back in. We just kicked out, but now you come back in on that same link. Yes. Okay. All right. Bye. Weird. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's Friday the 13th. <laughs> and where were you? <laughs> Man, I, I was out there in outer space trying to get back in here. <laughs> I could I could see you. I could hear you. I could hear Michael. I could see him, but I just couldn't get in. And I'm Gloria trying... says she's been trying to attend and she's been kicked out three times. We so apologize that obviously today is uh Friday the 13th and what can we say? <laughs> I don't know do what want, to say. Do, do you want to put the link in the chat so she can try to log in again or well no she's in she's in the chat oh. she's now oh, in, okay. on Facebook because she was uh that's what she's supposed to be now we're just trying to get Michael back in <laughs> so make this, sure that he's in let me crazy I know well welcome Gilbert <laughs> well thank you co-host I appreciate it you know, I, while we're waiting for Michael to come back in, we have to. Uh, I don't know. It was just too weird. That's what happens when you when you uh, have a show on Friday, the thirteenth. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. So he hopefully he'll be able to come in in a minute. So, so he I, was. I I kind of overheard a little bit that you were talking about. Um, oops, I have to my my video there. Yeah, you're talking a little. Okay. Yeah, I'm here. You're talking a little bit about Michelle Avon and that, you know, she's been a phenomenal um, presence in the community and that, um, yes. you know, she's gone too soon, man. Gone too soon. She's gone too soon. Definitely gone too soon. I put up a, a um, um, put up something that Glatt put up. Hold on. Michael's having a problem. Not letting you back in. Okay, let me send you another link. Oh. All right, bye-bye. 
Yeah. All right. Hold on. I'll, I'll send it to you now. All righty. Let me go to in my email real quick. How weird. That is weird. That is it was weird. there and I was there and I was talking, but you were not there. Yeah. That is very weird. Yeah. Let me just send him another link. We want to apologize to our audience out there. Uh, sorry for this little hiccup. Uh, I guess <laughs> Freddy Krueger decided to visit our set and dismantle it. <laughs> so True we're, everything, everything we're trying to do here is not going the, the regular route. So uh, we apologize. Yeah, to right. That. As you know, the business zone is on every Friday with Crystal and Gilbert from three to four. And you can reach us live on YouTube. You can also reach us on Facebook Live. Uh, our, our trusty uh, listener, Miss Gloria Diorium, is uh, tuning in with us right now on Facebook Live. So, Gloria, welcome to the Business Zone. And everyone else who is listening or chiming in right now, welcome to the Business Zone. This is the number one uh, podcast business show for small businesses within Southern California. And hey. if, you need, if you need to get advice, if you need to get uh, coaching, you need some knowledge on procurement, uh, running your business, setting up your business, setting up your back office, getting certified in any of the certification programs for minority woman-owned small businesses, and knowing how to set up and manage your books, bookkeeping, then okay. we've got the genius here, my co-host, Miss Crystal Mitchell, who she does forensics on your book. <laughs> <laughs> You're so kind. So very kind. Oh, come on, computer. Why are you taking so long? Fernan oh. Fernando, welcome to the business zone. Appreciate you, you tuning in, sir. From Englewood. Englewood in the house. <laughs> okay, let me get this to Michael Anderson. Why is this? It's just like, and I, you know, you didn't really think about this. Okay, yeah. hey, let me. Where is this? There he is. Um, there we go. So, all righty, we're we're waiting for our guests to get uh, tuned in into the into the show. He's our very special While we're guest. Waiting, how was your week? Oh, my week was a crazy week. I had all kinds of meetings, workshops, events. Yesterday, uh, there was an event for the what they call ACDBEs. This is Airport Concessionaires uh, Disadvantaged Business Enterprise. Uh -huh. And these, these, these DBEs are stationed at the airport at LAX. So when you Ooh. go to the airport and you see those those kiosks or little restaurants in the airport, those are those guys. That's what those guys okay. do. So many of them are DBE certified. That means they can they can gross as much as fifty six million dollars average over three years. Fifty six million average wow. over three years. That's their requirement. They have to be a disadvantaged business enterprise and also. What they what they need to do is to make sure that um, they are not dominant in their industry. So that's oh, okay. So what that's what that was. So that event yesterday was to match those DBEs with with financial entities and try to see how we could get them 
Uh, there's Michael. There he and is. See, see how we can get them uh, uh, lines of credits, get them loans and funding to run their operation and manage effectively. Oh, okay. Well, Michael also does a lot with Lawa uh, at the airport. Um, so I'm mm -hmm. sure he understands what that was. My, uh, Rob, uh, my, uh, Gilbert was talking about his, his week. <laughs> Mr. Anderson, oh. welcome to the business zone again, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Gilbert. Um, you know, it's the Robin door. As long as we're still in the community, it's all good. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We were just talking. We were just talking earlier that this is Friday the thirteenth, man. So somebody let Freddy Cougar in here. That's why you got kicked out. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's, it's a trip. Um, but I'm grateful to be here. Um, so what were you saying about Lawa? Lawa's a client of mine. So yeah. So, so we we had an event yesterday. Uh, mm -hmm. Many of the prominent uh, community-based organizations, we got the LA Urban League, we had um, some lending institutions like uh, CDC with Marcel Watts, we had uh -huh. um, a we got AMPAC with Richard Palais, and okay. uh, the LA the LA Los Angeles uh, Chamber of Commerce and LAWA. We were mm -hmm. there supporting uh, ACDBE, so we wanted to figure out how we can establish a partnership so many of these ACDBEs can get access to funding because mm -hmm. they make they make they make good money at the airport you know their margins are good but we want to make sure they can grow their facility so if you've got one kiosk or one um, store at the airport if you want to build another one or open another one you should be able to do that so that's what we were mm -hmm. trying to do Okay, great, great. I um, was fortunate enough to work on the new Tom Bradley International Terminal, the one yes. that looks like waves in the back. That was my first major aviation project. Good. And if you've experienced the parking structure, the parking elevators and stairs are better than they were about 10 years ago. Thanks uh, to we you, were man. Thanks architect. to you. Yeah, thank, we were thank the prime you, architect for that. So that's that good. was good. Yeah. That's good. Well, I was at the airport last week trying to get my niece out of the country on Tom Bradley. And uh, I spent four days at the airport. <laughs> it was quite an amazing experiment. Because wow. <laughs> when she first left out on Tuesday, she didn't have, they, they changed or the airlines changed the COVID testing. So then she missed that flight. So then we had to um, go get her a new COVID test. And then we came back to the airport. Now, mind you, I'm navigating because I had to come in separate than she did. So she was taking Uber to the airport. And then I was driving, trying to get into the parking structures. And uh, it's quite an interesting process out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to work in the future. That's why they have the APM, the automatic people mover. Eventually, uh -huh. everybody can just get off and park out by La Cienega and Century and take the APM in. And you don't have to deal with all that, figuring out where you're going to park your car. You know, is the person coming out to the curb at the right moment. Uh, yeah. You won't have to go through that anymore. So that's right, a good right. yeah. yeah, that was amazing. Well, so thanks let's get to you. Thanks to you, man. I want to give props to you because not often do you see an African-American uh, architect or, or engineer or, you know, a, a, a prime contractor, project manager on that on, on those types of projects. So kudos to you, sir. Kudos to oh, you. Oh, thank you. If it's okay, I'd like to add that um, 
we uh, I assembled an African American led team for the LAX Northside development. That's mm-hmm. the uh, parcel of land along Lincoln from the backside of uh, Otis Otis College all the way down to Falmouth. That's a um, million square foot development. Um, and our team is one of two shortlisted for that project. And it's Beautiful. uh 60%, 60% black lead. Beautiful. Fantastic. It. It's about awesome. time. Yeah. <laughs> about and, time. Uh, thank God. That, that was Deborah Flint. You know, that was under yeah. her leadership. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. It continues, so I'm grateful. So, you know, there are organizations and entities in LA County stepping up to have more inclusive and major roles on projects. Uh, we still have to be qualified, but you know, you assemble the team, it's enough of us out there that we can qualify to make to assemble to make a qualified team for these large projects. So. Well, you know, this may be a good time for me to talk about this, Crystal. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, we are trying to do some of the same things that you just described by not only empowering, but also to uh, foster, to coach and develop um, qualified uh, minority businesses like yourself to function in capacity like these. So the Urban League, the Los Angeles Urban League just brought me on board as a consultant to help them. So I'm running their entrepreneurial entrepreneurship center right now. So that's what we're we're tasked with doing to help Mm -hmm. minority businesses like yourself become business ready, contract ready and bank loan ready. Great. What we're looking at doing is so one of the things I've been in this industry for a while and I've established relationships with larger engineering companies. My company is also the associate architect on the L.A. Clippers Plaza, well, Clippers Arena in Inglewood. So when my company is designing the plaza buildings, the parking structures, the VIP parking where the players and the owners will park. And fortunately, what I do is I tend to team with other companies, bring them as subcontractors to bring strength in my capacity. Uh, And then that way I have a greater diversity. And that's something we may want to tell some of the young entrepreneurs to start looking at doing. It's kind of like dating and then somewhat like marrying in some ways because it takes a personalities to sync the business interests to be mutual. But if we partner with each other in that way, we can do larger projects. Now I'm I'm the associate contractor to AECOM. And then my colleague, Farouk Amin of City Design Studios, he's doing the design work, managing the project and those things. The beautiful thing about doing that, I didn't have to capitalize the way that I would if I were doing it all inclusive, where I had 12 people on staff and I got to worry about payroll every two weeks. And and whenever you do certain projects like the airport, you have to have special insurance that costs a lot. So it allows me to regulate my costs in a better way, but still perform with the quality that the client needs. So we may want to talk to some of our entrepreneurs about that approach. You know, it's amazing. We were here to talk about your book uh, that Crystal shared with me, but a lot of what you're saying is really, I'm sure, is in your book, but a lot of it is really pertinent to our community. So I'm loving what you're saying. I'm loving well, thank it. thank you very this much. This is beautiful well, because not too many minorities understand that how you went along with that project, that it can be done. They think that you have to right. finance it, you got to fund it up front and all mm-hmm. of that, but you found a way to make it happen. 
Well, I learned it through trial and error. So, you know, I'm glad to take what I learned and put forward so it can be replicated. Uh, one of the things that I always want for us and the purpose of the book, Tough focuses more on community economic development. It mm -hmm. focuses on tangible economic development for our communities so that the younger generation wants to come back into the community, not only to be a part of it, but, but also because it has a great quality of life for them to raise their children and nurture the next generation of black and brown people. Yes. And so that is kind of what's missing in our community. So as yeah. a result, as kids get educated, they move to a place that reflects their lifestyle and how they want to live when they're 20, 30 years old. And then you look up, you're 40, 45 years old, you may want to find a place to buy a home. Mm -hmm. And then they look at our community, but the facilities or the quality of life may not be there for them. Yeah. And so the book, that's really what the purpose is. It talks about solutions to make that happen. In yeah. our community, there's not a larger strategy that's diverse enough where it attracts diversity of people, investors that want to build a certain type of projects to make them vibrant places. And that was the real outcome of the book is to talk about how when I've done these things in the past, what works in other communities that can work in our community. And also the most important thing about the book, it talks about funding projects as an ongoing basis. Small cities and staff need to know how to access funding at the federal level, state level, county level. And then you leverage those diverse funding sources to build larger projects. Um, Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood started out as a $150,000 grant escalated to a $15 million project in 2000. They put over $40 million in that project from La Brea to Doheny over the last 20 years. And the purpose is to make it a safe, walkable place, but to bring vibrancy that then has also attracts small mom and pop businesses to layer what's already there. That's the successions of investments, entrepreneurship that we must have in our communities, all black communities, not just Crenshaw, but every place, Compton, Willowbrook, so that we can start to solidify our economic power and make it possible for younger children to become self-sustaining adults because they see black and brown people like you, myself, and Crystal doing what we're doing, and they will graduate to a level beyond where we are, and that makes them economically powerful. Right. Um, for those of you who are, or, or just tuning into the show, this is The Business Zone with Crystal and Gilbert. And we're on every Friday from 3 to 4. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook Live. You can also reach us on YouTube Live. So go on over to YouTube and click on that subscribe button if you want to receive continuous information from us, continuous materials, and, and notification as to when special guests like our guest today in the studio, Mr. Michael Anderson, will be on. Uh, Crystal. Yeah, we I, well, before and he popped out again, it seems like, uh, okay, little internet technology, let's make this work. <laughs> stop, stop playing with us. So Michael was going to, he's telling us about his, his journey before he, before we lost him the first time, lost the whole signal. So if you will go back to telling us about the journey of the book, and then most importantly, the project that you're working on. I, I mean, I was just so amazed. My, um, Michael had a book, his book signing uh, at uh, Hot and Cool uh, Cafe in Inglewood, uh, I'm sorry, in Lamert Park two days ago, and I just blown away. And then and I've been talking to him uh, 
for the last couple of weeks. And I'm just so impressed with what he wants and what is potentially possible in our community. And he, as I said, he's been sitting at the table um, gathering information you know, with some disappointments and with some joys, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's nice. been able to utilize all of the experiences that come up with the book and this fantastic project. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Michael. <laughs> okay. So currently what I'm working on, and this kind of came out of my journey of seeing what works and what doesn't work. It's called Accelerated Equity Housing and Transit Development for Black and Brown Communities. It's a project that addresses 18 transit stations. Nine of those transit stations are being planned along the West Santa Ana Branch Corridor, which is primarily the Hispanic community that goes along southeast downtown to the north tip of Orange County. And the stations in the black and brown communities along the Crenshaw LAX line and the Compton line, um, excuse me, the blue line. I was the architect of the Compton transit station that you see down there now in the community center. That was the first seed of TOD development, but the city didn't have the staff and resources to accelerate it to a level of making a government center like downtown Long Beach did, uh, which was something I was trying to encourage the city to do at the same time. And that's another purpose of the book. But what I'm working on, what Crystal's talking about that's come out of all this, is kind of around timing. And that is for first time buyers to purchase a fourplex where the federal government gives them about a $500,000 subsidy that serves as equity that makes it possible for them to own a home plus three income units in about a mile radius of the transit stations. And the purpose of that is to build more fourplexes as infill development to bring back another younger generation of black and brown people to replenish the culture and to also increase the average household income that then all of that combines to give value where Trader Joe's and them come in because they see the market growing with the type of customers they're attracted to. I've done a lot of studies around black and brown communities. And when the community says, I want a Starbucks and they want a Trader Joe's, they're really saying, I want the quality of life. I see Trader Joe's exists. So I came up with a strategy of how to address our housing needs for black and brown people that work in government agencies and professional services to be the source to come in and replenish our communities as the middle class, for lack of a better word, the new gentrification through black and brown people. Right. No. But then by having a four place, you can then rent out the one bedroom units to family and friends. The second component is $100,000 for existing single family homeowners who then may want to do three ADU units in their backyard that has one, three bedrooms and two one bedrooms that they can then rent to family and friends at a lower rate. But what you're doing is the three bedroom, let's say it's rented to your children and their family. Now, grandma, dad, and them all live on the same grounds. When the kids get out at three o'clock and you can't get off at five in time to pick them up, your parent can. So that creates a social profit of black and brown people being closer together all the time. That creates a foundation for not only cultural growth, but also a better quality of life throughout our whole communities. So we're targeting to do that around all 18 stations. What it does is it creates 50,000 new homeowners over the next five to seven years. It can allow 50,000 existing homeowners to profit as well and grow and bring their families closer together. It's not a lot. It's basically about 5,000 units around each transit station. But the larger purpose is to make our communities vibrant places before the Olympics. So when the Olympians get here and, the, and their, their visitors, 
Every time they get on a public transit station, every station is a safe, vibrant place for people to enjoy the culture. And so when we have events like we do in Lemur Park, you don't only have us at Los Angelinos, we have people from all over LA County and all over the world coming to our community. LA County has 140 different languages and dialects. Through that diversity, by making our communities vibrant, we can start to have that culture come in and out where our kids start to become global citizens and knowledgeable where they can profit and go any place in the world because they learn the existence of those other cultures here in L.A. County. And so that's the larger purpose. I have taken this all the way up to Senator Padilla's office. They're on board. All the Congress congressional representatives, Bass, Waters, Barragan, and, and Roy Ball Allard. And the purpose is to connect our county officials to a direct federal funding ask. And the purpose is to put this larger plan in the White House as the Biden administration solution for addressing racial inequalities after he left Greenwood, where he said, I want to figure out how to help blacks get equity. Well, this is a strategy that makes it possible. Have the federal government give $500,000 in equity. And I've already talked to the San Francisco Federal Reserve Bank. They're on board. They're saying we would set this. It'd be easy to give a family a loan because it's a 65-35 debt ratio. But at the same time, we're making almost 800,000 jobs and we're creating new revenue for the county because this solution would generate at least $2 billion in new annual property tax revenues to the county of Los Angeles that then allows it to have funding to upgrade our infrastructure, our sewers, our storm drains, and those things. But you need bonding capacity to do that. So that's it in a brief overview. Uh, one day I, I will share with Crystal, I can do a slideshow of the whole connectivity to all the images, and you can see what the houses look like. And the housing came out of Mayor Garcetti's low-rise design uh, design competition. It's bringing in existing knowledge, resources, and just connecting the dots. And that's really the larger purpose of what it's about. So, Michael, okay. Michael, I think that's an amazing uh, concept and an amazing approach to enhancing black and brown communities. I'm, I'm wondering... You mentioned earlier that cities can do these things to enhance it. And we know, all of us know, you, me, Crystal, and many of our listeners, we know cities don't really care about helping our black and brown communities. So how do you see us taking this ourselves, empowering uh, group? Do you think that we should have different groups like the Urban League, the, the Chambers, and all of these folks coming together and pushing that agenda? So, yes, I think the best way is to speak out to the supervisors that you support this. I would be glad to share with you, Michael Lawson and others. I know Michael very well. But yeah. the purpose of what we're doing is we're doing this as a public-private approach. Right. So we're doing it as a private-led entity. That, that way it's a team capable. We're right. using the same approach as LAWA's doing with improving the airport. LAWA has shifted to give me the people that have the money, the yeah. developers that have the skills. I know what I want to build. So in this case, what we're doing is I've teamed with my partners who are developing LAX Northside Development. And we're going to have a nonprofit lead it so the county can do an unsolicited proposal. But the purpose is we're using all private capital up front. We take care of all the responsibilities with the county. We acquire the land that the communities identified to be acquired as a part of the TOD. We entitle that land, and then we just put out RFPs for developers to come build the components. We're not the developers. The challenge in our communities is the land sits there and goes through a difficult process that turns developers off. Mm -hmm. 
What we want to do is assemble a lot of land throughout L.A. County and then entitle it based on the vision for their community and then just put out RFPs for developers to come build those components. It's basically assembling a puzzle, but each part of the puzzle generates a profit, a revenue. It does the business transaction we need, but results in the facility of the house or the quality of life that functions as an urban environment. So you know what I'm you know what I'm thinking, Michael. Which what what would work well for this approach, this project approach? Mm-hmm. When I was at LA Unified School District, you know, I was uh, the assistant small business director of small business programs there, right? Mm-hmm. And what LA Unif- what LA Unified did, they had a 21, 21 billion dollar uh, budget construction budget, right? They that had was what they. That was one of your projects, huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, so I did what, a school. Go ahead. So what they did, they had a, a design built project, right? And with that right. design built, what they did, they would lease the land. They, the, the land would be purchased by the developers and the land would be purchased from government, government land. And they would lease it back to those developers for like a dollar. So... I'm thinking with that approach, they could definitely build a lot of these homes for, oh, man, <laughs> he went away. He's oh, back. There he is. He's back. <laughs> so, so, Hold on. <laughs> there you are, there Michael. You so I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking that with that approach, that would really help our processes because I don't think a lot of government entities understand the design-build approach or the design-bid-build because in that case, you could have a lease, lease back approach to it. So, and, and Gilbert, that approach can work, but there's always multiple approaches that need to be applied for each unique situation. Uh-huh. And so the purpose of having a private entity guided as a master developer, we can yeah. always adjust based on what's needed to be appropriate. The other purpose is to start assembling enough land where affordable housing entities are not competing with market rate properties, right? right. By right. larger parcels and in cooperation with the county's uh, LA County Development Authority, then we can yeah. set aside property for affordable housing entities that don't have to acquire it. It can be leased back just as you're talking about. Yes. But there's other yes. places where like Metro may have acquired a trailer park. And the challenge is it's, it's, it's too political and social to move people out of a trailer park. But if yeah. we had assembled land around the transit station and build affordable housing development across the street, you can yeah. then move the families in, into the affordable housing off the trailer park and then free that land. And yes. the purpose is to be proactive about developing our communities in a way that we're problem solving the mm-hmm. issues that we have. But most importantly, getting back more housing units in L.A. County to address our need. We right. need 550,000 units of housing today. The uh-huh. solution that I'm talking about would bring on 400,000 by seven years from now. We're right. still going to probably have another 100,000 more unit need by then. Yeah. And part of this is because of LA County's success as a GDP producer throughout the United States. Yeah. By solving our housing, we make our better quality of life that continues our GDP production to the rest of the country. That's and economic also- health. Also, what I'm thinking about that, Michael, I know there people are saying there's no land left in L.A. County. I'm sure there's land out there that we can access, right? Because I drive on the freeway and I see lots of undeveloped land, right? So I know there's land. But also what we could do, we could have a strategic, since we're doing a public-private partnership approach, we could also 
establish partnerships with other counties. Because way out there in Santa Clarita, there's a lot of land in that, the Calabasas, all of that area out there, right? Undeveloped land. You <laughs> see what so, I'm saying? <laughs> but Gilbert, I'm going to tell you right now, our communities are underdeveloped and underserved. I just want to focus on L.A. County. Yeah. The ask that we're doing is a $30 billion federal ask. It's $5 billion for Metro to get funding for the West Santa Ana branch. That is only solves the needs of 100,000 families, but it creates an additional $140 billion in, in privately financed project that gener generates revenue. Mm -hmm. Other part of our strategy is when we do this land assembly is that even though we're the master developer and, and our partners of the large real estate companies, they will be subcontracting local realtors to assist in the acquisition of the disposition of the land. That mm -hmm. way, the local realtors get part of the commission as well. Yeah. I have a larger purpose behind this that also this being a large project like this, I can have all my professional consultants hire young men and women from the community that are in high school to have summertime jobs and 15 to $20 an hour that right. then can make them understand this is how business is done. The other purpose is to help them make better decisions about what they want to do when they go to college. And when they come out of college, they've already spent four summers working with professional corporations and they can mm -hmm. pick up the phone and call somebody and say, can I get a job? Or even yeah. better yet, a person will seek them out. But right. that's the type of chemistry and I call it economic chemistry with social yeah. benefits that we need to create on a larger scale that modernizes our communities. So I'm not yeah. interested in going to another county. I want to focus on the black and brown communities of L.A. County first. And then once we solve that, we have a prototype for what we can replicate in other counties and jurisdictions. OK, now it, within our. So I know you've, you've spoken with Holly Mitchell. How is your project being embraced by uh, our other public political uh, entities? And what are the steps to actually execute and get this moving forward? So it's kind of designing as you go forward. It's, it's, so I call it like when we design a building, we're in the static design phase where we kind of have a vision for what it looks like. We understand roughly what the structure looks like. So mm -hmm. I've briefed all the key staff members at the federal level. Uh, at some point, I would think I want to have a working session between the county supervisors, Han. You got to be, it's their staff, not them directly. It's got to be their right. staff so you don't violate the, violate the Brown Act. But I've set it up with Padilla staff people, um, the congressional representatives, then to meet with um, the supervisors, key planning and transit staff. And we can have a working session. The outcome is to have a letter go to Rouse, chair of the Economic Advisory in the White House. And then, and also, if you may know, um, is it Pat Boatman? Uh, who used to be a California housing finance agency. She's now mm -hmm. gone to Office of Management and Budget. That's under Shalanda Young. It's to put these Black women who are connected, and I have a relationship with one of Pat's uh, uh, colleagues, to have that letter go to them where they can say to the president, this is a pilot project. L.A. County has a shovel-ready approach to do something. This is the federal ask. OMB looks at all three purses, uh, Treasury, Housing, and the Department of Commerce. And all we're asking for is $2 billion allocation over the next five years from each of those three departments to fund this strategy and use it as a pilot project that generates a tangible result, just like Lawa is doing its modernization. But it grows our tax base so mm -hmm. strong. It makes about 800,000 jobs where the government gets their money back through wages and buildings and things of that nature. 
right? But the company gets tax benefits, property tax benefits. And that's how you create a self-sustaining, profitable county or a part community that benefits the county. And then we're doing this in 18 communities that benefits the county and generating about $2 billion a year. That's the overall strategy. I call it economic chemistry. And you have to be thinking along those lines. And then that allows the smaller cities to have revenues that they can start hiring qualified people to help with ongoing funding, just like West Hollywood and Culver City are doing. That's a so, long explanation. Wow. But I'll so some, some of our listeners and viewers make some suggestions here. But I, I guess sure. you already stated that you you rather yeah, LA focus County. on LA County. So Camera Smith, Camera Smith suggested San Bernardino County to team up with them, as well as Riverside County. And Greg, so we could replicate it once we have right. proof of concept. So think of it like right, we're trying right. to make a Tesla, right? right. If we're trying to make right. a Tesla. We got to get the Tesla working first. <laughs> then we got to get yeah, the exactly. customers to buy the Tesla. Then we can right. go expand, but we need success first. Yeah, and we need to have a sense. generational success so that the kids yeah. will continue the work we start. Right, that makes sense. And, and since they are working on the transit and the metro projects and the, and, and creating that um, a transit uh, uh, um, in the county of Los Angeles, this it seems to me like this is a good starting block, and then expand out, as you said, duplicate right. the efforts in the other counties uh, that also need it. Um, but you know, with Los Angeles. With the uh, what is it? I think the last count uh, was a hundred and something thousand homeless people that are on the streets, and that's not including what's going to happen. It once the um, the ban on work. the moratorium ban is is lifted, then God knows what's how what that looks like um, based upon what has happened in the uh, with with the pandemic. Um, so, what do, how does the community help you, Michael? What do we need to do in order to I think you just want to tell your local supervisors you support accelerated equity housing and transit that's being proposed right now. I'm, I'm not to sound selfish, one that I'm proposing. I don't know if you want to use my name or Anderson Barker, mm-hmm. but I think that the, the key thing is just to say that you want to support, let the supervisors know, specifically Han, Janice Hahn, uh, Supervisor Solis, and Holly Mitchell. And we have a unique relationship right here. Supervisor Solis is chair of the county board and chair of Metro right now. Um, a, a black woman, Jackie Dupont Walker, is vice chair of Metro and Holly Mitchell. Mm-hmm. So you have black women and brown, black and brown women in a position to make legislation for both the county and Metro to take this direction that becomes a process that no matter what the future change is, this is the mission to carry out. And the purpose at the White House level is it creates that one shot to make this type of investment, right? This is something that gets a person reelected if they do it right. Michael, have have you had a sit down with Michael Lawson over at the Los Angeles Urban League regarding this? Not yet. I've uh, Michael, I used to talk to the last time I saw him at um, Issa Ray's Cafe over there before the pandemic. And I yeah. lost his email and his cell phone number. When I well, we can correct that like we, today. We, we can correct that. We can correct that. Okay. So so we'll no definitely problem. get you guys connected again because okay. I, love, I, love, well. I love your agenda. I love your manifesto. We, we don't see too many manifestos like this that is so um, – uh, beneficial to the black and brown community. And that's really what I want to do. Um, so, 
So this Gre does not have to get to a ballot or any of that sort of stuff. This can, oh, oh we lost him again. Went away. Um, there he goes. So uh, this does not have to get to a ballot. We This could move forward without having been voted on and going through all of those man, uh, machi machinations. I'm sorry, I didn't hear the first part. Everybody disappeared for a quick. I know. I said, it, does this have to go through a voting process to get to a ballot, or is this something that can move? No, forward? no, no, no. This is strictly a public-private partnership. Um, I have a, a, you know, there's plenty of capital out there involved. I've been working this over the last couple of years. Just as I said, my partners that I brought to LAX Northside. That's how I built a relationship with the capital sources. It utilizes all the existing engineering companies that I've worked with on LAX and others. Um, I have all the relationships pretty much with, with making it. It's basically just a program management. It's like a modernization program of our communities and then design how the funding needs to come in place. But we have to use private capital up front, one, because it makes it easier. But also right. one of the things I want to emphasize, this program is to be 100% transparent all the yes. way across the board. because. Yes. That way, we're focused on the solution and the outcome, and we have to identify how to do this again. California right. needs 3.5 million units of housing. The lack of home ownership yeah. is what fuels homelessness because people lose their rental apartments and sometimes their houses because they're separated from family and friends, and the cost just keeps driving up because we have a shortage. We want to provide that solution that's mutually beneficial to everyone. Right. And, and I like this because, you know, I've gone to a number of the uh, town hall meetings with all of the complexes, apartment complexes. And it always, um, you know, my question has been to the developers is what has happened to creating home ownership? I mean, that's how we change and you generate wealth within a community is not just one grouping of people that own the housing, but individuals are a uh, 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 capable of owning their own homes. Now you increase property taxes um, and you create a, a sense of belonging and not a sense of transitness, right? Because if you're living right. in an apartment, you're not invested in that apartment. That's just a place that you live that someone else right. is getting all the benefits of having that, that right. unit. You yourself is just paying rent that benefits you in no shape or form in your taxes. It provides a roof over your head. But with the cost of apartments, you know, that's greater than a mortgage. And, and as right. it, it looks doesn't right build now, well either. Yeah. Right. It doesn't build right. well. It doesn't. So one of the things that influenced me, if you ever look at Singapore, it's the McKinsey report talks about it. Uh, Singapore is 90% homeownership. Singapore looked at the United States in the 1960s. But in the 1960s, Singapore was just slums all over the place. And they decided to focus on two things, a home ownership and retirement. Now, Singapore is 90% home ownership. They have the second highest per capita company in the world, and they have low taxes and they're pro-business. So by them focusing on how everybody needs to work together to nurture the economy of each other in a way that's successful, they live, and that's why, not to stereotype, but when you saw the movie Creations, that's how you enjoy that lifestyle. It's for thinking. And one of the things mm -hmm. that struck me to write the book was we missed the opportunity after the riots to make that type of momentum happen. During the riots, LA, we had about $7 million in capital offered to us, but nobody could figure out how to translate it down into a strategy of the community. 5.1 right. 
$1.2 billion was federal funds, but that went to finish the 110 freeway and the 105 freeway. Never translated to streetscape projects all through the black and brown community, which would have worked, right? And yeah, you probably yeah. also could have used it to start the metro project. Right, right. So those right. are things that I've seen and observed where we missed opportunity why I wrote the book. Because I kept looking at the different dynamics and experiencing myself as an architect wanting our communities to be better place. That I said, yeah. oh, this is another missed opportunity. So let me just put it all in the book that everybody read and understand it. And then we can have a more effective conversation about how yeah. to move forward. Now, Michael, what would be the average price of these homes? That, uh, do you think? What do you think it would be? The fourplexes would be about... Based on the current cost, around for 1.6 to 2 million. That's why you want the $500,000 in federal subsidy. And then it makes it possible so a buyer would only put down 5%, maybe 3%. Um, so, just to qualify. So, so, so the four, the four plexes being offered to the public at, at 1.6 mil, right? So, the pro, four plexes by using private capital, we only offer it to black and brown people. Yeah, at at one point six mil, right? Yes, yeah. but you get five hundred thousand in federal equity, maybe six hundred thousand in federal equity. That means silent capital that sits there. Mm -hmm. You don't have to finance it. Okay. And, and then yes, if does. you're, and then if you're saying family members could then rent out to their own families, so you actually yeah. could have a number of family come together. Maybe someone is stronger far as the, on the credit side of it, right? And in a position yeah. to actually buy, but the others could help fuel that that down payment, that five percent. And so it's still because you're 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 talking about increasing the household income as well, because you have all these individuals right. that are living together, so to speak, right. but helping each other be able to achieve uh, home ownership. Right. It could be a brother and a sister. Right. It could right. be a, a parent and their children. Like, look, look you know what? I'm going to sell my single family house and buy a new fourplex. So you qualify for the five hundred to six hundred thousand dollars equity. But the other purpose is the grant. The equity is only given out through CDFIs like NHS and uh, Clearinghouse and these organizations. Because as a first time buyer, we have to have them educated so that the predator lenders don't take advantage of them. Right. We have to have certain controls in place so that they go pull equity out. Somebody can give an outside opinion that gave them the equity. This is not a good loan for you. Don't get yourself in this situation where this person can exploit what you have and you wind up losing your asset. The homes that I built on Avenue, one of the buyers knew that. And this is an example of where I built six townhouses. They sold for 154000 the three bedrooms, two and a half baths with a backyard. The women had only earned like 36,000 with two kids. And this is in 1996 or seven. That's a hard situation to try to purchase a house. But I negotiated mm -hmm. 54,000 in equity and grants. They only had to finance like 92,000 because they put $8,000 down. What I've done is replicate that product. And by the way, their houses now are worth $650,000, right? So they have wow. equity. I've taken that product and magnified it to a fourplex. That way a person has a house plus income. And if you need to pay for a medical expense or put your child in college, you're not taking it out of your home. You're taking it out of the income units. And that way you can pay it back through the future rent, right? So it doesn't burden you. But what you were saying is true, Crystal. We could have two families members purchase it and then just rent out the one bedrooms to families and friends. 
but it, it's just a, it's a it's a perfect solution for modernizing our communities. But people have to have some sort of subsidy in a way to make that possible. And that's the reason why home ownership has declined because apartments have become more profitable to build and there's no litigation. Condominiums, when you build them, you got lawyers mm -hmm. praying on people saying they want to sue. When I built the townhouses, I had to pay $50,000 in insurance just because it was a townhouse. And those are things that make it not profitable to build in our communities. And you got to build in upscale communities. And as a such, that's the reason why we have homelessness we have today. I'm sorry for the long answer. That, that's so, okay. Uh, Robert, we have a couple of people watching and welcome. Uh, lots of comments coming in. Uh, Robin Billups, which is a, um, uh, she and Michael are joined at HIP. <laughs> and that's fantastic. <laughs> she highly supports him. Uh, Robin says, please talk about the fact that making this purchase an investment that you live, education on ownership is critical. Which is true. It is right. true. It's because true. Uh, it, it, because they're, yeah, they're in the city of Los Angeles. They're claiming that you know there's no more housing available. This approach could help to make more housing available. Right, and, and I think Greg is ahead. also saying that the city has to increase housing density to bring down costs. In addition, families need higher wages. We have to reclaim the millions of jobs that went to the Far East. Uh, Greg has got quite a few comments, uh, but yeah. we do have to talk about investing in our communities in order to make them profitable, as opposed to someone else coming into our communities, regentifying or gentrifying it, but not it, leaving us out of the equation. And that, that to me, seems to be the biggest problem with gentrification. You're not coming in to embrace the community, to grow it for the people that are there. You've, you've come in to make a change. And I, I, you know, from the looks at it, push the people that live there out of those communities. And Robin, Robin is making a good point right there about investment. She said investment, not just where you live, but if you invest in these folks in these communities, they purchase their own homes, they've got their families on there, you're going to see a big, big drop in crime because people are going to protect their communities and their neighborhoods. They're not going to just let anyone come in there and start any any type of gang activities or any war like that. So that's going to help this, the community all the way around. Right, Michael? Yes, it will. And see, that's one of the things, you know, and I actually write a story in the book about the kid that um, there was this young kid that I had helped me clean up the alleys when I built the Lemur Park homes. And he was a troubled student. And I wound up paying him, got in a relationship, asking him about his grades. His name is Rodell. And in that one semester, he went from a failing student to a straight, almost straight A student. And that's the larger purpose of modernizing our communities, that the kids a teacher said it to me very well. Kids in South L.A. stop being kids at 12, at seventh grade, yeah. meaning they lose hope. Yeah. They already mm -hmm. lost how am I going to enjoy the rest of my life? Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. because of the quality of the environment. They're in but survival I say, mode. I want to say one thing is important. Housing models change as a place becomes more dense. Yeah. We can have courtyard housing. I mean, that's what was built in L.A. in the 1920s courtyard housing where it was multiple units around a water courtyard or something. And even if that's two or three stories, you can make a little village on a lot that can be co-owned by multiple people 
of the same culture. And that's how we keep our families in our communities. And it, be go- it, it goes forward through generations. Yeah. That's what's happened in the West Side, Santa Monica. You have successions of families that have lived in a community where their kids live in proximity to them. Now, mm-hmm. we've been burdened because we've been discriminated against, but mm-hmm. this becomes a solution. And this becomes the purpose of the federal ask is, it's the government's way of making amends to the black and brown communities that it redlined historically. And that's how we can make that ask. Right. Yeah. I, I, and yeah, and it's very important. I think Robin even mentioned it when, I mean, we look around our communities. Uh, I, my, my, uh, I, 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 um, we have a tennis program that we have at Harvard Park, Jackie Tatum Harvard Park on 62nd Halldale, and uh, most of the apartment, most of the housing over there is rented, right? And so they don't embrace that community the way it should be. In fact. Um, I the other day there was a shooting over there and we we just got a message to I just heard about it yesterday w- wasn't on the news when the shooting took place police didn't show up right because there's no home ownership right. <laughs> nobody had to invest you know they were not invested in the community right. because right. homeowners would run that stuff out of their their communities by That's exactly my point. Their, right and so they were saying, um, I, I got the message this morning that the 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 police department that man that controls that area or, or or monitors that area, they were all in some big meeting and never actually came. They had to bring police officers from Compton in order right, to right. deal with the issue there. That's yeah. ridiculous. Right. It is. And and see, and, that's a key component of of crime reduction is by giving people ownership in their community they own houses they take pride in those houses they're going to protect those communities you see what i mean so this is just this is just a a a, a connection of (coughs) valuable points and you're correct gilbert and then also by bringing the younger generation back there's as people age when you get older you're not really interested in doing too much yes. or having a great day, right? Right. So part of the thing is that's the reason why when people get 35 to 55, they're more focused and more active. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's the layering of our communities that need to take place through home ownership, yeah. where we have those successions of wealth. But if you ever notice, the younger generation will always make more income than the current generation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so by bringing them home, eat that community's average household income increases. But Mm -hmm. a senior person on lower income is not living in a low income impacted community because they're retired, comfortable, they own their house and everything else is constantly modernizing and improving around them. That's the difference between West West LA and South LA. And that's the major purpose of this concept of this approach that I have is to create that solid foundation that graduates our community's quality of life to a place where it's self-sustaining and then it will naturally grow continuously because so my, it's our, go ahead. Michael, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something right now. I'm sure it's going to anger some people and <laughs> it's going to shine a light on a, an issue that has been perpetuating for many years that some people never even thought about. So we know that, some of your biggest opposition to this is going to be developers because developers they're in this in a different kind of way. They're here to make as much money as they can 
as fast as they can so they can redevelop, reinvest, okay? So a program like this that is more geared towards uh, community and family and people, developers usually don't care about those programs because they can't they can finesse or, or manipulate the city to get money out of it. Because when developers come into communities, they have to make certain agreements with cities that they're going to make at least 10% of those housing available to either low income or people who can afford certain types of housing. But many times in Los Angeles, we notice that doesn't happen. They don't hold them accountable to that. You know, so I can see them putting up an argument against you for this. So what do you, what do you think about that? I don't think that's going to happen because what we're doing is we're making it easier for developers and we're making it attractive for qualified developers that want to focus on building a good product to build it. We won't have to get into the number of units for affordable because we're creating parcels for affordable housing developers to build housing on their own in the yeah. same proximity as market rate housing. Developers, what they're they're going to come in an abundance, basically, Gilbert, because developers' biggest challenge is entitling property. That's a very risky step, and often the reason they don't come to our communities is because the fear of change. In addition to projects not getting entitled in a timely manner, yeah, you could risk losing two million dollars trying to get a, a, a hundred unit building entitled. Yeah. You don't want to uh, do that. Well, actually, not 100 yeah. units. Let's say 500 unit building. Right, but, right. But see, where our purpose is, we're going to entitle all properties for little, small, and large components based on the community visions. Developers will pay 20% above the land cost for that because they can come in and start building right away. There's no risk. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the purpose is we're taking that problem out because that problem exists on such a large scale in black and brown communities. Oh, yeah. We want to come in. And that's oh, yeah. why totally. the fast food companies come in because they're like, it's zone commercial. I can put my Cracker Jack box there. It'll work. Yeah. I'll get disposable income and I'll sell yeah. some chicken mm-hmm. and some hamburgers. Yeah. And I'll get yeah. a profit margin. Yeah. And we can get so many incentives from the city to come set up shop here. You know, that's that's how many of them look at it. So right. I cities, cities don't have the resources to focus on this. Cities yeah. have lost so much revenues, especially now because of COVID. Yeah. And the lower the, the low income cities don't have the knowledgeable people that have access to figure these deals out. Yeah. They're just trying to govern, right? Yeah. And they're governing on lost revenues. They can envision, but what happens is that person in the city gets offered a job at another city that's doing more modern projects. They're gonna go there because that's what they want for their career. Right, and that's the right. other purpose mm-hmm. of making this large approach is to start making the work happen in our communities that are low income impacted that brings the creative juices and the younger generation to want to do it because they see change taking place. I love mm-hmm. what you're doing, brother. I love what yes, you're doing. Yes, you know, and when you drive up and when, you know, um, when I first moved to California uh, in Los Angeles, we lived over in the Pico um uh, west side of uh, between uh, La, La Brea and Fair, um, Fairfax, mm-hmm. La Cienica. And Crescent mm-hmm. Heights, when you drive up Crescent Heights, that, that entire street are duplexes and triplexes and fourplexes. And yeah, property at this point must be worth three, two to three to four million dollars. Yeah. But when I was growing up over yeah. there, you know, they were. You know, Probably three, four hundred thousand, right? Right, exactly. Right. And families yeah. were living there. 
Um, and, and in certain other parts of Los Angeles, there were a lot of duplexes. I, my sister's a realtor and, you know, she, you know, she tries to encourage new buyers to look for income properties. So buying a duplex and, and, or fourplex and then renting out the other ones, which is a great way to get into, uh, purchasing your uh, home ownership, but yeah. there are not those, there are not many of them out there anymore. Right, right. Um, in order right. there's right there, that, that, that right. type of, it's mostly single family dwellings. Uh, they st- I don't know, Michael, you, you're better equipped to answer. I live this. in what that community. They- I live in, actually, I live over in that area. It's interesting. And it's funny when I was in college, I lived right off of Pico and Redondo. Right. And so that's why I say I can watch, I've watched these communities change and I get to see mm-hmm. as an architect and urban designer, what they've done, even down to the sidewalks. Right. So yeah. when sidewalks change to do those little curb bulb outs to make it so that people would be safe crossing and it, makes recess parking. Um, those are little features that come from transportation funds. And see, so yeah. our city mm-hmm. officials don't recognize that, right? But that's where you go directly to the DOT and ask for. Right, you know, exactly. Rob, Robin just said that two to four unit, two to four units get the same financing as a single Wait, family. Right. Uh, actually, um, Michael, that, that might be why you look familiar, because I grew up in that area over there, and I think it I've seen me. you before. I, I was looking at a picture of you in the book. It's like, I've seen this me. guy. <laughs> yeah, you. Me, baby. <laughs> but, but I lived in that. My uncle, my aunt, all of us lived over in that area, and that's changed. I was over. My uncle lived on Hauser, uh, lived on Ridgely, off of Hauser and Pico, oh. right? He lived over there for about 25, 30 years, died a couple of years ago, um, two, a year ago. And I was driving over there with my sister recently and we're driving and there's these little turnouts now. It's like, wait a minute, where did this come from? <laughs> and, right. That's, and that's, that's kind of the Band-Aid approach. Uh, but the city of L.A., that's what they did. They, the city of L.A. is larger. That's one of the reasons why I like smoking, focusing on smaller cities because uh-huh. you only got five councilmen. So you can see like on La Tijera or Fairview, if you know that area and you drive into yes. that part of the bear, uh, Inglewood's put those at that intersection to make it safer for people to cross at that. But see, that right. was a safety feature that came out 15, 20 years ago. And those were things uh, that I was saying we are not putting in our communities. Mm-hmm. But that's the layering process. West Hollywood has started putting them in 15, 20 years ago. Santa Monica was putting in the solar power crosswalks that had cat eyes in tree. Cat eyes are like yellow signals that are built into the ground when uh-huh. you cross. The driver's looking at the ground and sees flash. You know, you're not looking up here. Yeah, over yeah. So those are things, things that layer our communities to make it called safety enhancements. Right. That comes and, directly and, from the federal government. Right. And see, that wasn't when it, I remember probably in the 80s, John Bryan had operation. He had just launched, uh, just started uh, Operation Hope. Operation Hope. Right. And I remember him going through and all that area, what we just talked about, the um, from Olympic down to Pico or over to Washington was all black owned. These were all middle class black families that owned them. And I remember John Bryan saying, do not sell your homes. Keep your homes because in about 10, 15, 20 years, your property is going to be worth so much money. But at that time, it was like a mass exodus. Everybody moved out to Apple Valley, Lancaster, Vegas, and they sold all of that property. So now that when you go over there, my uncle was probably 
it was like two black families on a street that used to be all black on, on originally. Now he was the mm-hmm. only one. Wow. And now that he's gone, I think there's one other black family on, on Ridgely and San Vicente. All of that area was black when I was growing up. And it's interesting. I always try to tell black folks, first of all, if you got a lot of equity, don't sell your house because the other thing, you're better off to remodel and make it accommodate your fellow family and friends. The reason right. is because if you sell you in someplace else, your cost of living just went up. Yeah. Your property mm-hmm. taxes are going to be based on new value. Your insurance yeah. will be based on the new value. So yeah. you're going to burn through your equity like in 10 years because your cost of living's gone up, but your income hasn't gone up. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's another reason behind trying to get this home ownership for fourplexes and let black folks get into income property because LA is going to continue to grow. And as people have paid down on the debt, their rental units become more valuable. And mm-hmm. if right now so you have income imbalance between black and brown people, White people will gladly pay a lot more for property near transit. And let's just say you're renting a four-bedroom, a three-bedroom at three, $4,000 a month. That's cheaper than them renting a, a three-bedroom over in Wilshire Corridor near Crescent Heights at $7,000 a month. Yeah. So you, mm-hmm. that's how we start to make our needs work where it's mutually beneficial to everyone. Right? See, that, that right there is good knowledge right there because a lot of our people, we've not been educated this way. We don't know that. But the other side, they've been educated, you know, and several times, you know, they, mm-hmm. they have it in, in family. They have it in organizations, even financiers would educate them. We don't get that. So that's why a lot of us, we lose out. We sell our property because we're going, well, I, I want to move to another area and get a bigger house. But we're losing value according to what you're saying there, Michael. We're exactly. That way. Uh, Robin indicated that we need to get, and this is, I think it's very true, home buyers uh, educational program. You know, and I was telling my sister this, and she says this, I, mean, I was saying, you know, where you, where you would excel in this space is there needs to be more education. We make an assumption. That yeah. people understand what it takes to buy a house. Yeah. We make an assumption they know. Yeah, they know they need good credit, yeah. but they don't know. They don't look at it as the an process. investment, the process, or as an investment that yeah. is actually is right. an investment yeah. that you can increase your wealth, your family yeah. wealth, and yeah. making sure you understand all the 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 pathways to increasing that wealth. So it doesn't mean buy that house sell that house and then move out somewhere else far out. But you lose when you move out to Paris, California and you buy a cheaper house. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything for you because no. you, you're not going to have the equity yeah, and you're equity not going to have the value. Down. Yeah. yeah. Right. Level went right. down. So what we're looking for is generational wealth and that generational wealth, we can let our people know and understand that, once you purchase that property, you want to hold on to it, keep it, and help building the equity in it. So that would lead towards uh, generational wealth. Right. Well, it's interesting because one of the uh, parents that goes to my daughter's school is interesting. We went to an event at their house yesterday. Their first thing they purchased was a fourplex off of Sycamore, off of Second, just west yeah, east of Lemire. I know, I, I know that area, yeah. yeah. And the interesting thing about that area, maybe a lot of people don't know, but part of that, some of those houses were built by Walter Lemert, the same mm-hmm. guy that built the Lemert Park community. 
Wow. And that's Ooh. why some of those houses look exactly like the houses you see on 8th Avenue between Vernon and I guess all the way over to Lemur Boulevard. You'll see the same thing, right. great architectural features and things like that. Yeah. But they don't look as brilliant in our community because of the low maintenance of the cities taking care of the streets because yeah. the tax revenues aren't there. That's the other purpose of growing a community's tax base because yeah. that that's where the city's going to put the street services, right? Right. And so right. that oh, and, and there's that's just a typical example of how one thing connects to the other. You know, it's a lot ama- of people doing that. It's amazing. Our show, The Business Zone, is a one-hour show. It goes from three to four. But I'm loving what I'm hearing here, Michael. This is just beautiful. I just want to extend the show. I want to keep it going on. I want it to go on. This is great. Because this is education for a lot of people. Well, we can do this in an effective way, more meaningful uh, at the appropriate time. I'm, I'm grateful to Crystal. I'm really grateful to Robin for introducing me to Crystal. I'm grateful to everyone that has allowed me to communicate this. I wasn't grateful at first to learn this stuff because it was financially damaging. But, yeah. you know, as you said about purpose in life, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm here for, then I'm grateful to be service in that capacity. But we yeah. just need to get we need to get to work, really. Most importantly, we got to get the capital and get to work. I, I don't believe in just dreams. I, you need tangible projects yeah. because we have a lot of catching up to do. Right, right. We have political power. We don't right, have right exactly. Now, our political power is deplenishing or, or receding because we don't have economic power. Yeah, right? yeah, they go so together. Get, they right, go together. Yeah. So, so for that private equity, you need private investors, right? Is that they're all out there? But or, there's so much private capital; it's ridiculous. Okay. I mean, that's, that's so, if there was so anyone that wanted to invest. If anybody wanted, is that our our a rent R E I T? If anybody wanted to invest in that, how would they go about doing that? If they wanted to invest in this project, I haven't designed that right now. I just right now have talked to different capital sources. It's, I mean, you know, okay, it's it, it, it it's just there. So that's not my primary focus right now. Um, my focus because okay. we're going to be asking for large capital, and I haven't thought about that in terms of the breaking it down. Because oh, okay. that's going to be an investment entity that's going to manage that. There's going to be some person or entity that's going to manage that. And I will think about that if I can. My, mm-hmm. my, my larger outcome is the mission of securing the equity at the federal level, assembling all the sites in our communities and entitling it so that the mm. product can be built. So okay. I'm gonna, and I'm then focus on that happening where all my consultants contract with local businesses and in terms of realtors and focus on hiring the kids at the right phases. So those okay. are the, that's, the, that's where my concentration is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just when I, when I need the capital, I just want people to say the capital's here. Uh, OK. You know, and then that's a whole other deal arrangement that my other partners deal with. That's not my expertise. Okay. I just want to make sure that it's done. So well, I'm not Michael- doing it. Michael, between Crystal and I, we're going to connect you with Michael Lawson over at the Urban League because I think they need to embrace this platform and this approach. And with their muscle, they should be able to uh, present it or pitch it to the right type of people who can benefit, who can help us benefit from that. 
do want the Urban League. It's ironic that you mentioned that. So when I did the feasibility study for Lemur Park, those two parking lots, one behind the Vision Theater and the one behind, you know, um, all the shops on Crenshaw, you know, I was yeah. I was a, one of the architects that got attacked by the Save the Lemur Committee, right? Oh, Which really? was funny. <laughs> and I presented it in the Urban League before they sold their building and things like that. And, yeah. and it was interesting because the fearful people, which were very few, that were loud, yeah. Yeah. We're saying that white folks are trying to take our property. And I was laughing because I was like, no, I'm trying to get it so black people can come <laughs> in, right? But yeah. Yeah. the exchange that the Urban League professional program was the young black guy that said to the loud brother who was talking about <laughs> white people wanted the community, he said, what do you have to offer? Because I want to live in what Michael's designing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I saw how the fear of change stopped right. CRE from moving forward with developing those two lots. Yeah. Those two lots have been vacant for eighty years. Yeah. And here is three voices halted mm-hmm. a potential development project that would have been in place in two thousand eight before the real estate crunch. But you yeah. know, we would have had parking structures mm-hmm. and a new vibe. The two African American women that own the art, the the the, the um art store and things, they would have been able to sign leases. And I was trying to do a deal where they could be at lower rent until their revenues went up, make people pay rent based on revenue instead of like charging them lease. You know, they got their property got bought out by somebody and the person charged them more and took all their rent rental retirement. Mm-hmm. But those are the things that happen. So mm-hmm. I'm glad to work with Urban League. I'm sorry to digress. But um, yeah, those, I mean, the kids, we want to change. No, I'd be glad to meet I- Michael. Yeah. Uh, Everyone go to Amazon and pick up Michael's book, Urban Magic. It's such a journey. And it's actually, you know, when I was reading it, it it was so many of the areas that you're talking about. You know, I grew up around that. And so it was like a a, a skip back down memory lane, Um, but also learning from the inside what how these transactions and how the city of Los Angeles has found itself in the in the position that we're in uh, Michael really helps you uh, um, helps you understand what that journey was uh, he's very transparent he's very real <laughs> and, and it, it is a is a very uh, is an excellent book so go out and find get urban magic the vibrant black and brown communities are possible by Mar- Michael H. Anderson. Um, you will really, truly enjoy the book. And especially if you grew up in Los Angeles, you really will get a kick out of it. Um, Cause there's some of the, th- I, I didn't even know that I did not. And I, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't born here, but I didn't know that Marla Gibbs actually owned the vision st- uh, st- theater. Nice. I did not know that. Yeah. So yeah, there's some interesting information. And that would be a there. perfect place to have black Hollywood screenings too. You know, so that I would think be a so. perfect place to have black Hollywood film. Yeah. And, but Lemur Park has to be corrected and things like that. So we have all these opportunities. We just got to build the right products with the right quality. Right. So go over and there I and pick up the book. And Michael uh, Robin says Michael has St. Louis roots, so he is better. He is better represented. But I know how Michael. <laughs> Robin, so, Robin gonna make you claim St. Louis whether you want to or not, dude. <laughs> so that's my goal. For those of you who are just tuning into the show, this is the Business Zone with Crystal and Gilbert, and we're on every Friday from from three to four. And you can go to 
Amazon. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> you can go to <laughs> YouTube Live. I, I still got Michael's book on my mind. You can go to YouTube Live or Facebook Live and you can pick up the show there. Make sure you subscribe while you're there and click on that bell. Like the show as well. But I just put in the chat uh, Michael's link to Amazon where you can pick up his book, Urban Magic. And I, the link is long. I, I I won't say how long the link is, but just go to the, the chat. You'll find it. And Michael Anderson is a fixer in our community. This man is an architect. He is a minority architect, but he's a majority creator. So, <laughs> thank you. So much. <laughs> I want you to really check out this gentleman. He's got some great ideas for uh, generational wealth in our community, and I really would love you guys to check this out. Uh, Michael, we're definitely, definitely going to get you involved in a lot more of our programs. We really got to do that. Thank you. Yeah, and. And then you want to come back and use this platform, but, but you're quite welcome to do it. If you want to do the slide presentation, just let us know. We can make that happen because uh, I think the education piece of this is vitally important. Um, in your book, you talk about a lot of the problems in the, in the Black community is about change and about mm -hmm. us not being able to embrace the change. And a lot of times we don't embrace the change because we don't know what we don't know. And, and so we, we cannot see on the other side. And one of the things that Gilbert and I both do uh, 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 as part of our journey is making sure our community as well un uh, understand what is happening. Here's all the information. You now can make decisions you need to make, but you have to have the information. Those of us that are blessed enough to be sitting at the tables or to have, have these kind of, kind of conversations, we have that knowledge, but we need to emanate into our community. I'm blessed to know you and Robin, and Robin introduced me to you. And I just, it's just, it just warms my heart that there's so many amazingly talented people in our community. And if we can just take all of us and start working together and close our silos and really try to recreate our Greenwood, we can do this together. We can't do this by ourselves. We have to be the village to make the change. Right. So I, I commend I, you. I, I commend you on stepping out there because, you know, there's so many people that will say they want to make change, but they're not willing to jump into the put put the two feet out there and say, okay, follow me. We're going to make this happen. Most of everybody's waiting for somebody else to make that first move. So I commend you, Michael, and thank you so much for our from our community on making that step, coming up with a fantastic idea. Now we just got to get everybody behind you and make this happen. <laughs> yeah. Right. And everything takes teamwork. You know, I'm grateful, but everything takes teamwork. Um, it, it takes a unified effort, so I'm I'm thankful. But thank you. Yeah, and and I want to say much respect again to Robin Robin Billups for bringing Michael our way to share this ex in, information and his expertise to our community. Because before you came here today, Michael, I did not know anything about what you're talking about that you did. I, we didn't know you did these things. We didn't know there was a black architect out there. When I was at LAUSD and LA Community College and Metro, we've been looking for black architects to put on our projects. We couldn't find any. We couldn't <laughs> find it. It doesn't mean that they didn't exist. 
<laughs> we just couldn't find them because no one knew about them. You know, no one knew how to locate them. So I'm glad to know of you, my brother. And believe me, at my role at the Los Angeles Urban League as director of their entrepreneurship center, I'm going to make sure every one of those entrepreneurship programs and projects that has to do with building development and communities that you will definitely be reached to reach out to and, and touched and included in, in our, our processes. Okay. Oh, well, thank you. I love talking to the younger people. I love inspiring anybody I can. Um, yes. I'll be glad. I'll be grateful to do that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> for sure, man. So Crystal, this was a wonderful a show. I know how I told you you were going to be surprised and, and, and it was going to be well worth a very informative show. Michael, when I was sitting listening to him the other day, um, he was so excited and so passionate about his project when I read his book and um, I was just so impressed. So um, and, and, and we are all talking the same uh, the same storyline. We're all talking about increasing economic wealth and power in our communities. And but we have to have a plan. And uh, so, um, as I said, uh, we all have to do this together. So we're your village. <laughs> yeah. So utilize yeah. your village as you need to. And thank yes. you, Miss Robin. We so appreciate you. You're so well. Thank well-connected. you, Robin. Thank and you, everyone that's been on the show, uh, Gloria says she has a structural engineer who's a husband and she wants him to meet you, Michael. And so we'll make those connections. So, Michael, um, uh, you can have access to this video. It will be up on it's on Facebook and it's on YouTube and it will go up on the uh, podcast <laughs> platforms. And so we get uh, your book sold. But more than that, we get a following behind you. Uh, to make sure thank that we 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 make this project happen. So, so Michael, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Michael, do you want to give us your contact information so we can put it in here? Oh, sure. Um, my email address is Michael at Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N, hyphen, Michael which at, is dash. Michael at Anderson, hyphen, hyphen Barker, B-A-R-K-E-R dot com. Okay, and, and that's I'm the gonna same. Say, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say. I'm okay. gonna say it again, so you can let me know. So I have okay. Michael at Anderson hyphen Barker dot com. Is that correct? Correct. And then just put www dot in front of Anderson hyphen Barker dot com. That takes you to the website for our work, and okay. and and then also my direct phone number is three one zero two six one. Three, four, one, nine. Okay, perfect, perfect. And go over because and get his book at Amazon. And you guys will be, uh, it's, it's a fantastic book. Because like like Crystal says, this isn't just right here on this, this platform, Michael. This show is going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on Facebook. It's going to be all over the world. So people all over the world, believe me, they're going to be reaching out to you. That's why I want to put the right verbiage in here so they know how to reach you. So... If you're looking for an architect to do community economic development projects, right? Reach out to Mr. Michael Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> I really want this uh, equity housing to be my last project. Yeah, this is, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, I'll listen to. I'll help other people write in. 
<laughs> we feel you. We we want that to be your, the biggest project that, and you that's history making, right? That'll be right yes, on up yes. there with um uh, <laughs> um uh Paul Williams. That's what you want, right? <laughs> That'll be enough. Yeah, thank you. That'll be enough. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I thank you so it. much. And we so appreciate having you on the show. And uh, Gilbert, if that's it, you got anything going on next week? Oh, man, I got so much going on. Now that um, now that I'm contracted with the Los Angeles Urban League, I've got a lot going on. We've got a program that we're getting ready to launch, a business readiness, contract readiness, and bank loan readiness program that we're getting ready to launch. So this coming week, we're going to do some outreach where we're going to send out um, uh, business readiness assessments to all of the small businesses that we have registered in our system so they can take that assessment so we can see how business ready they are. And the ones who are not business ready, then I'm going to work with them, coach them, guide them as to how to be ready and be prepared. Uh, We're we're also working on a video, promo video, which you'll see on Monday, Crystal. Uh, I do a nice little video, a little uh, 60-second video there, which is going to be great. Yeah. All righty. And I have classes going on with the Urban League next week. I have classes going on with um, uh, the New Women's Business Center. And I have classes going on with um, uh, Vermont Slauson. So you guys go to any one of their websites and sign up for classes. I have uh, an entrepreneur workshop series for four-part series with the New Women's um, Business Center. And then I have a accounting bookkeeping cash cash flow and uh, I think it's uh, actually 60 days to bankability uh, coming up at Vermont Slauson and I'm also doing a QuickBooks class for the new Women's Business Center and I'm doing the um, ABE uh, classes um, advanced business uh, entrepreneurship for the Los Angeles Urban League. Quite a busy week next week. (laughs) Crystal, are you sure you're not Jamaican? Because all these jobs you're talking about, you're talking about (laughs) Like 10 jobs there already. <laughs> I know. And, and don't forget, coming back to the business zone on Friday at 3 o'clock. So you guys want to definitely tune back in on next Friday. That's and right. then the community briefing on on Thursday at 11 o'clock. We have a great guest tomorrow, um, uh, next Thursday. She's coming in to talk about, um, I think it's Sharon. Robin, do you remember? Robin's on. I think her name is Sharon. She's a, I can't remember her last name, Taylor, I think. So she's going to be on, on the community briefing next Thursday at 11 o'clock. And then on Monday, if I don't have enough stuff going on, on Monday, I will be doing uh, conversations on the patio. And we talk about retirement for both individuals working for people, but more importantly, people that are entrepreneurs trying to retire. <laughs> so Michael had to leave. His family okay. is waiting for him. But uh, we really, really appreciated having Michael on the program. Thanks to you, Miss Robin Billups, for bringing him to our attention. And we would really encourage you, Robin, to bring more resources like these to our attention. 
Even yourself, bring yourself to us because you got a lot of connection and a lot of research. Oh, yeah, Robin, we should definitely have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, be, be on the business zone, Robin. <laughs> yeah, Robin has just been amazing. She co hosts uh, the community briefing we along with Stephen Turner and Gregory Sneed. And yeah. Miss, Miss Robin is so well connected. That is what she's actually called the connector. The connector. Uh, she is the connector <laughs> and she does it. She does an excellent job at that. So thank you so much, my uh Robin. And uh Gilbert, we ready to she's at the connector. That's who she is. <laughs> so we are um so that's about it. We got uh, yeah. everyone put on your calendar, save the date, November 20th. We're going to be doing the Los Angeles Black Business Expo. It's going to be wow. fun and exciting. We're going to have vendors. And if you're looking to be a vendor, please uh, give us a shout out. You can go to, I'll put the website here and sign up um, to be a vendor. LA, LA is 21LABBE.org. And that is the Los Angeles Business Expo. Uh, you can be a vendor. Uh, we have a great speaker. We're going to have Dr. George Frazier. We're going to have Treasure Owens. We're going to have uh, um, uh, Dennis Kimbrough, who wrote the book, Thinking, uh, I think it's Thinking Grow Rich, I think. Uh, you want to come out for that. At, and we're going to create a youth um, boot of youth vendor pavilion where kids are going to have their products on display. And there and there's also going to be a pitch. Uh, um, they're going to be able to pitch their business ideas. So these are all kids from the Los Angeles Black, um, uh, Biz Camp and as well as Nifty uh, uh, Entrepreneur Program. So we're excited about that. And that's going and to be November 20th. And Crystal, I'd like to put this out there. At the Los Angeles Urban League, we have some great programs coming up. One of them is for restaurateurs. So if you own a restaurant, a, a catering business, or a food truck, I'd like you guys to reach out to me. And I'm going to put my phone number in the chat before we go because we're getting ready. We're looking for about six to eight restaurants that we have a grant for. We have grants for these restaurants. And we're getting ready to start doing what we call outreach and, and vetting your business to see how ready your restaurant business is to take advantage of some of these grants. So this is coming up real soon. So I'll put my phone number in the chat. And I really want you guys to go ahead and give me a call and um, so that I can start working with your business, getting you, even if you're not ready, give me a call anyway, so I can get you ready for these grants. There are also other grants for minority, for, for black and Latino businesses. And again, those are other small grants that's coming up. So I want you guys to start reaching out again. This is with the Los Angeles Urban League. I think this is going to be great to uplift your business from this pandemic. So we've got a lot of goodies for you. Santa Claus is here today. <laughs> it is. So, so that 
There you go. So, oh, and and so in correction, our guest next week on the community briefing is Nicholas L. K. Uh, Nicol- uh, Kane Nicholas. He is hey. now the new executive director for the Black Cooperative Investment Fund, the BCIF fund. So he, the, this is funding uh, for businesses. Um, for small businesses, especially our startup businesses, because it's very difficult for them to get funding. So um, you want to come out, you guys, if you're looking for funding for your business, you definitely want to tune in uh, to the community briefing. And then we're going to get him on the business zone as well, Gilbert. Yes. All right, everyone. It's fantastic. So all of this information is in in the chat on YouTube and Facebook. Make sure you go and you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just click that button and subscribe and you'll get a notification every time we go live. So with that, Gilbert, we ready to sign off? Oh, yeah. Don't don't forget to tune in every Friday from 3 to 4 on the Business Zone with Crystal and Gilbert. We're out. As a small biz pro, I saw we roll Using procurement, program and control As a small biz pro, I saw we grow Using procurement, program and control I'm a businessman, yes I'm an entrepreneur Great show, Crystal. This is wonderful. I love it. I love it. It was. And uh, 